Weirdo bookworms unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. Welcome to Genre Junkies, a podcast where we review books from genre fiction. What a what a fun introduction to our episode ninety eight episode episodes in, huh? Right. I thought I thought I might as well. Um. So this is Sandra. That's Scott. Producer Stitches is grumping around. Uh. Thank you for joining us. We are going to have a very fun episode today in honor of Women in Horror Month, which is coming to a close. But I thank you for celebrating Women in Horror Month every month by supporting me, a woman in horror, and you can also support me over on The Cult Show, which is on YouTube and a podcast, and you can support me and my ghouls at at Spooky Slumber Party over on our podcast. And of course, keep reading horror from women, watching horror movies and horror TV shows that feature women behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and just keep encouraging inclusivity in horror, and not just for women, but for all walks of life. Uh, authors in general, I, I have found over the years recording this show, I, I I like books that are written by you know any gender that we've read, but True. there is a special place in my heart for female authors. It's like that's a that's a thing <laughs> that's a thing here at Genre Junkies is we want to read any books that sound interesting to us by any gender uh, totally, but um, we always like to keep in mind female femme identifying authors because we want to make sure their voices get heard that's how it is oh okay producer stitches has settled down so i guess that means we can officially start the episode (laughs) um not to be a broken record but can everybody please please just go to hbo max and watch 30 coins for me i'd really appreciate that (laughs) um we preach about it neil and i over at the cult show i'm so obsessed with it so is he and I kind of had said on there the other day, I'm like, please don't let this be another horror TV show that dies on the vine because that's happened to us horror fans so many times over the years. And this is just a brilliant Spanish show, Spanish language, obviously. It's from um, HBO Europe and it's doing well. But of course, to make sure that a second season gets picked up, people got to watch it. I'm one of those people that um, I watched the first episode and it was a lot for me. Um, <laughs> almost, I, too <laughs> almost too much. Almost too Almost too much. And then I I watched, I think, the last two episodes of the season. I, I'm that kind of garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> and of course, it's so funny because he's like, he doesn't do it in a super annoying way, but Scott has a tendency to do this with like scary or true crime things I watch. We'll see the first episode and be like, oh, this is, you know, t- kind of too much. And then he comes in at the end and it's like, What's happening? I want to know what happened. What's going on? Who's that? (laughs) Uh, That show is buck wild. Yes. In a good way. In a very good way. But it is, it it goes places. It's religious horror. It can be really dark and gory and just great, great fun for horror fans. And I hope everybody else is enjoying it as much as I am and my co-host over at the Colt Show is and that we can all talk about it and geek out together because i need more people to talk about it with it just it controls my life and then our other uh pledge would be f- for wandavision 
which is a shared passion at genre junkies. WandaVision is fantastic, and it has inspired me to, in the background, I, and I, I want to say, I'm not a big have something playing in the background sort of person. No, not Until like me. fairly recently. Yeah. In the background for the past couple of weeks, I've been playing the entire Marvel, like, MCU uh, movies in order mm-hmm. and it's just been fun to like pick up every once yeah. in a while like oh yeah i forgot that that just happened to have it near just to like yeah. Ha- yeah that's one of the things i like with background stuff is like you're just kind of even though you know the content you're kind of absorbing it through osmosis a little yeah uh see uh it's good it's good for the kids so that having been said Anything else you wanted to share? That was my big one. That's your big one. That's our big ones. All right. Let's talk about this week's book, Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. This is the second book we have read by Silvia. We read Gods of Jade and Shadow, if you recall, which we loved. Which we loved. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's tell you about this and what we thought of it. A story about an isolated mansion in 1950s Mexico and the brave socialite drawn to its treacherous secrets. After receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin, Noemi Tabota heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside, unsure what she will find. Noemi is an unlikely rescuer. She is a glamorous debutante, more suited to cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough, smart, and not afraid. Not of her cousin's new English husband, a stranger who is both menacing and alluring. Not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems fascinated by Noemi. Not even of the house itself, which begins to invade Noemi's dreams with visions of blood and doom. This book is kind of Pride and Prejudice meets uh, The Haunting of Hill House. And that's (laughs) Sandra shaking her head. And it's true because that's not really fair. No. Because what's so so interesting about it is that it is set in in Mexico. Yes. But when (laughs) when I say Pride and Prejudice... Please, I what mean, do you mean? I mean, the, the the main character, Noemi, is a socialite and has uh-huh. and has like an experience based on privilege, education, um, and and just has a it's it's a different setting than what you're used to of you know a woman being set in a mysterious possibly horrific setting i i do get what you mean by that then um please direct all of your hate comments all of you jane austen stands to to scott um (laughs) amanda my sister who's you know on our show from time to time she is the biggest jane austen fan you will ever find i can't wait for her to listen to this episode she's going to be like Scott, have I taught you nothing? (laughs) What is happening? But no, I, from your description, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you've ever read or seen anything, Jane Austen. Oh, I've seen. I've seen plenty. I've seen plenty of Jane Austen. (laughs) I have not read Jane Austen. You are correct. Okay. Well, anyway, that's uh, Jane Austen's often uh, about sort of about manners and stuff, but, uh, and about a very specific time and place. But I get with like your, uh, parallel it, to this. It's, it's how it's, it's anyway. It's how it matches in my. It head. how it's, it's matches that, in your head. That politeness and that that this is how you act in public, and these are manners in a way. Sure. So she is from this world, a very glamorous world. She is rich. Um, she um has a spoiledness to her, but Noemi is not that 
girl. Don't get don't get scared. Yeah. She is not just shallow and selfish. She's amazing. And I always appreciate how much nuance Sylvia can put into her characters. And this is a great example of that. So this is, as the name implies, Mexican Gothic. This is a work of Gothic fiction, which is something I've been reading since I was a preteen. I love, love, love Gothic fiction, obviously. Um, and uh, Southern Gothic, as you guys who've been on the show for a long time, you know, that's a big, huge thing for me. Um, this is just an absolutely worthy novel of, of Gothic fiction. I have to say, I'll just get right to it. This was um, an obsession for me. Absolutely an obsession. Well, for me, and and it may have something to do with the fact that Gothic fiction is not so much my wheelhouse. Mexican Gothic was a was a good read for me. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. I'm I love Noemi. I think that she's fascinating and well written, and I wanted to learn more and more about her. I want more books with her starring in them. Yes. Um, but the pacing and the general tone that I think comes from being gothic fiction just didn't really match up with what I look for in a book. Okay. So um, I guess in a way too, this is, like I said, I've been reading gothic fiction, like my mom's gothic romance books and stuff since I was uh, Barbara Michaels, any Barbara Michaels fans out there <laughs> since I was like a preteen. And of course, uh, Dan and so many others, but um, you're kind of just since we started doing this show, kind of dipping into gothic fiction and, and gothicism it is a newer genre yeah. for me yeah. and like because i know you've liked some of the more gothic books we've read so that's okay i mean i'm not saying like you're writing off the genre completely i think you're just kind of maybe finding what works for you in it and yeah. there's um i don't want to give too much away but there's some twists and turns on the gothic genre that that comes into play here so and we'll talk about that in the spoiler section oh yeah um so what did you give it a what was good you, read. You give it a good read. Again, I want to. I want to clarify. I think it, I. I enjoyed it. I think it's a good book. I just it wasn't. It, it's not my normal wheelhouse. Right. Um. So let's talk a little bit about just. We, and we've talked about this before with Gods of Jade and Shadow. How cool it is to have this author out there writing right now. She is a very intelligent person and you can just really tell that from her writing and this is yet again a time when she has taken a book of speculative fiction genre fiction whatever you want to call it and she has set it in mexico in the past and because the same thing with um, gods of jane and shadow which is set in the roaring 20s and that's a little bit more fantasy of a book and then she has one coming out this summer she technically has five books coming out in 2021 and some of them wow. are, some of them are reprints of her older stuff now that gods of jane and shadow and this have been such huge successes for her um so velvet was the night is going to come out in august and that seems to be set in the 70s in mexico city and be almost more of a thriller noir so I love that she is doing this, that she has found like this kind of, you know, people don't write a lot of books set in Mexico, especially not. Certainly not not mainstream like she's exactly, become. Exactly. And not like, you know, and sometimes, I mean, I 
We all know Mexico gets a really bad rap in the media. People just always portray it as being so incredibly impoverished and desolate and miserable. And it's always dusty. There's always like a tumbleweed going by. (laughs) And it's like, it's such an underselling of this incredibly beautiful country and culture. So I love that myself included, I learned so much about Mexico through her books and I want to learn more and I want to like just devour like all of these things. And she does a great job of referencing uh, cultural things, pop culture things in Mexico at the time and historical things. And you're just like, wait, what? And I find myself pausing to like Google it. Yeah, this is, Sylvia is an author that sends me down Google rabbit holes yes! a lot. And that's so good. And, that's so good. And it could, and, and sometimes it's simply um, referencing a, a garment of clothing with a word that I've never heard before. I'm like, all right, let's see what that looks like. And yeah. then, I, and then, 20 minutes later, I've read all about the yes. history of it when it became famous and, and you're like, oh, what I different think, materials they used right? for it. I it's find like, myself being like, well, I need some wool and I'm going to make one of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's so, that's like part of what I say when she's smart is she finds ways to educate people that doesn't feel heavy handed. And it's like she wants you to remember that Mexico is a beautiful incredible place full of beautiful incredible people with um a very rich history and it's not just the bad depictions you see and and i think and she's from mexico she lives in um canada now but she was born there and i think that's like something really really cool she has to offer the literary world and another thing that i find fascinating about the history of mexico and in the way that it's presented in this book is the the way that it's a melting pot in a very different way than what we've learned. Yes. It is. Yes. Because it, it's not so much a melting pot as it is a, a pot filled with oil and water. You know, there's right. there's all these different cultures who have just put their hands right. inside of things and have, have gotten involved. But, um, you know, throughout Mexico's history that that has had a very complicated history. Yeah, and there's it's one of those things where like we've grown up in an area of California, Northern California, that has um, a large Latinx community and we've always kind of grown up with that. I said to you, like my first few years of school were kind of dual immersion and stuff. And it's one of those things where if you talk to people and don't just assume, you can learn so much, right, about Mexico and about their families. And I've had people who say like, oh, yeah, my aunt has like completely red hair and freckles. And it's because like they have like this Italian or German like immigrant thing in their family. And, yeah, there's just all these like cool things that it's like, what? People came from Europe and lived in Mexico? <laughs> and it's like, well, sure they did because, you know, like they have reasons or whatever and yeah it's just very very fascinating to to make you dive deeper and explore and and learn and then she wraps it up in some great horror in this case so there's some parts of this book that get gnarly yeah so make no mistake this is a horror novel yes there's a lot like a, a good portion of the book is built around the mystery and the suspense around that horror mm. but but do not fear horror fans 
you will be horrified. You, <laughs> you're going to get your money's worth. Um, she definitely blends genres and she's very comfortable with that. And mm-hmm. I love to see that like from some of her books that are being reprinted. I totally want to read them. The other ones that are coming out to you, new works because she is very... Um, she is very fearless to blend genres and to jump around in speculative and genre fiction. And I, I think that's very admirable to not just paint yourself into a corner. Um, there were some things that were reminiscent, um, not only gothic fiction, there was some things that were a little reminiscent of Get Out for me. There were some things that were a little reminiscent of some Riley Sager stuff. Actually... I, I had specific thoughts of Riley Sager while reading this. That's really interesting that we and, both had yeah. that same feeling. And so it's kind of like, if you like those, try this, is what I'm saying. Not like, oh, she ripped it off. Like, obviously, I'm not saying that. No, I'm just, not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you like those things, but maybe you're for some reason on the fence about this book, this could be something in your in your wheelhouse. So speaking of wheelhouse, um, I think that this deserves a general appeal. Yes. I think it is more than a horror novel, uh, less than a period piece. It, it actually will appeal to a lot of people who are outside of just an individual niche. Right. Um, I mean, the premise is a little out there <laughs> once you once you really get to that. And, and you know, if, if you're an inexperienced horror reader which if you're listening to us you probably are not uh but it might kind of leave you reeling a little bit (laughs) trying to kind of come to terms with the reality of what's happening but um it does a really good job of walking you to that conclusion that i think that even if that is something you're not as experienced with i still think you're going to enjoy where it goes um i totally hear you on that because for a reminder to you our appeals are niche general broad and mass so obviously they get the audience gets wired with each one of those and i think general is a good place for this i wish i could call it broad because i want so many people to discover her work and to enjoy it but the gothic stuff is very gothic the horror stuff is very horror and i think that it will not convert people to those subgenres but people who are outside of that can still enjoy this i mean yep. i really i really do feel that way and hopefully it'll convert them further down the road <laughs> but <laughs> for now anyway um yeah so i just i'm continually Im- impressed with her work and i guess we should go to the spoiler section i cannot wait to discuss the spoilers of this book enjoying the show please like and subscribe on itunes you can find us on twitter and instagram at genre junkies and don't forget to visit the website genrejunkies.com Welcome back to the spoiler section, where we spoil things. <laughs> so, yes. We spoil like Howard. We spoil like Howard. So, I can speak for both of us when I say Scott and I have a love of mushrooms. Uh, fungus, spores, <laughs> in general, especially me. Mushrooms are totally my thing. I love to... I, I'm not a forager or anything. Like, I'm not there yet. I would love to be that type of person someday but i love learning about mushrooms and finding them in the wild and studying them i think they're cute and they're also 
really interesting. They're incredible. And so if you like mushrooms, you're already going to like this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because we get really involved. And you get to have this, gosh, I don't know quite how to put it. Almost H.P. Lovecraftian. This is Eldritch. This is kind of Eldritch horror. Kind of. I mean... Especially with yeah. the with the depictions of Howard being a god, and they, they and, worship him, and really this this fungus is you know older than all of them is godlike in its manifestation. Yes, it it, it, it really is an eldritch horror. So uh, there's uh, I I had I read the physical copy of this book, which is absolutely a gorgeous cover and uh and a beautiful typeface as well and there was just like that added a lot to my experience to read it in a physical copy and to read it with this you know beautiful type and this beautiful cover it really set the scene for me and um i loved how there was like her nightmares and the voices trying to kind of tell her stuff the whole time but um it all really it just comes together in the end and it it wasn't what i thought i wasn't sure exactly what was going on with this because it's part haunted house but it's haunted because of this magical fungus i mean i definitely felt like we were going towards a direction where the the fungus or the mildew in the walls was creating a sort of madness it had to have something to do with it because for these people who are so particular why wouldn't they get the mold off the walls right like you're like okay there's something with this mold (laughs) and and for me, that was kind of the, the ickiest part about this book. I hate the smell of mildew. I don't think anyone likes it, but no. like <laughs> it it creates like a like a like an existential panic in me oh, when no. I, I hate the smell of mildew so much. And so Yeah, specifically for me it's mildew and fabric. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. really uncomfortable with the descriptions of the look and I could just smell that house, you know what I mean? Yes. This this beautiful house that this beautiful gothic mansion that's just been overtaken and it's so puzzling why like okay i get they're not as rich as they used to be but does it have to be in such disrepair and you start to see it come together of why that is they like their mold (laughs) it um so even cooler than the mold uh i really loved reading the reveal of agnes's mushroom covered corpse which is of course tragic and heartbreaking a very beautiful sort of gothic sentiment but also um gross <laughs> and awesome <laughs> i that was that was a little bit of a science fictiony aspect to it i really loved the last bit of this book. Yes. Once it's revealed that, okay, this is a sentient mushroom. It is science fiction. Yeah. And you yeah. and you learn and you learn more and more about what that means and and the way that it thinks because it is actually using a a not quite dead human host as its yeah. brain. I I really, really liked it. And yes. You know, if just for the last quarter, like once I got there, this became an absolute page turner. And me. and it reminded me too also of the fireman by Joe Hill. Yeah. Remember I, there's yes. there's a mushroom connection going on there too. Well, th- there's a there's another book or story that I can't put my finger on what it is where the ultimate question 
was, you know, was it actually something in the water or was it a, or was it a, you know, or, or was it actually madness? I don't remember what I'm thinking of. Um, is it the, oh, is it the witch trials? Oh, it could be. I think that yeah, might be what Urgot. I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. And, and the witch, the witch. Where that is a, that's a theme that's not new. No. But it, I have never read a story that goes, you know, a hundred percent straight into the wall with it and runs yeah. with it. it's it's a really interesting idea and all of these things we're referencing uh even you know invasions of the body snatch invasion of the body snatchers things like that is it's this idea of this substance this sentient thing that takes over your life and takes away your choice and your agency and your body and your mind which is very frightening and that alone and it's also allegorical right because of things in life that make you kind of feel like you're losing control of your own life um and of course we would be amiss if not talking about the huge themes in this book of um colonization and racism eugenics um eugenics stuff really creeped me out oh well i mean because that shit's creepy and it was again she uses it all so perfectly not that i mind if people want to be heavy-handed with important messages but she has a way of painting it into her stories perfectly yeah it was it was important but not in the way that was expected it shaped characters uh outlook on other people but it also served a very strong point in the plot it didn't need to do both but right. it did both yeah and um just again a testament to her writing and it's important and it's an important part of history and it's an important part of you know like i said colonizers which is essentially what the doyles were kind of doing and the way that they um mistreated people uh that worked for them and everything it's yeah. you know it's Stuff like that happens, maybe without a mushroom god, but with something. And well, in the way that he came and he has been, well, he started God knows where, but he's been utilizing this culture that doesn't belong to him for a really long time to to prolong his life. How disgusting is it? Just the depiction of Howard, too. I mean, just the depiction of Howard. His bubbling sores, his pus, his mold. Oh my God, when she's sitting there eating at dinner and she's like, did this come off of Howard? Yeah, he's he's literally rotting in his room. Yeah. Because he because you can't live forever, but this will give you, I mean, he's like 300, 400 years old, like yeah. nobody even freaking knows anymore. But I mean, he's just so disgusting. So disgusting. Virgil was really creepy too. They're both kind of leches. But um, Virgil, you know, is predatory as well, um, more so than Howard. You, we get the idea that Howard was, you know, kind of a sexual predator in the day, but now he's just more mold than man. <laughs> but Virgil is still, and that's a whole other type of horror. Yeah, the the tension of, of sexual assault yes. was, again, because it has become a thing for me, uncomfortable. Well, very um, much so. But it ties in a lot to another theme in this book that we haven't talked about, which is the, the the very strong theme of being of femininity in a world that does not allow you power. 
Yes, right. And that is definitely touched on throughout the book that for um, in a lot of ways, we know that Noemi's family is kind of like maybe more progressive than like some folks at the time. But she is still very limited by being a woman in this world. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, she takes advantage. You know, we couldn't really talk about this in the spoiler free section. But Mm -hmm. yes, she is vain. She is uh, spoiled a bit. She is privileged, but she's also whip smart. Yes. Incredibly observant. Yes. And and all, and all of those quote unquote negative traits, which I don't feel that they are, like the vanity, yeah. is actually, they are weapons. They are tools that she used, uses to navigate her world and take control over herself and her environment. There was, and I hope I don't sound overly egotistical saying this, there was a lot of myself I saw in Noemi where she deals with um, humor. Uh, she she uses humor, especially dry, sarcastic humor. In a lot of situations, she doesn't easily back down. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a strong sense of loyalty and of, I don't know, just kind of really saying like wearing her heart on her sleeve and just traits that i admire about myself i saw in her too so that made me really like her too because i felt like yeah we're both bad bitches (laughs) you and me noemi um (laughs) i liked her uh but this so outside of the the final third of this book i decided that i actually wanted to I like I was starting to get into it and I was starting to like I kind of like how this is working out. I'm like and I really like her the way that she views things. I want to read a series of books that's like a la Poirot, her going to different, you know, palatial yes. estates and solving mysteries. I as, love as it. A, as a as a badass single socialite. Yes, um anthropologist by day, like sleuth by night. I'm so here for it. And also a great pianist. <laughs> um no, I would love that. I have to say I really liked too the way her and Francis's romance um evolved bloomed blossomed if you would i can't think of fruiting quite the same way after this book we use fruit a lot and it's super disturbing uh very effective (laughs) but i liked the way their romance came about very organically because she meets him and they're so different they're such opposites and she doesn't even find him that attractive and then as she gets to know him she really likes him and she finds these things about him that's like very compelling and very cool and very different from her worldview. And then she actually starts to see the beauty in his differences and his physical differences. And of course, you can just imagine how he would be so love struck with someone like that from the beginning. And um, I love, I just love how that evolves, how that comes to be and how she's kind of gotten through life a little bit, you know, kind of, utilizing men and she doesn't want to do that to him and and i think that's really cool it shows growth for both of them um and i love that she doesn't know they don't know where their life is going to take them together but they're gonna try it and i think that's really sweet i think that's the best you can say for anybody no i did i liked their their romance as well i liked the way that 
that it developed for both of them. You know, he was he was a, a coward by by design. Right. He was raised to be one. She, um, you know, in a way, like I, I don't know other any other way to say it than she was a bit of a flighty, while while very intelligent party girl. Yeah. She liked to have fun. That's what she didn't care about settling down. She didn't care about you know finding a mate. She wanted to go and have fun and. Part of that was having fun with men and found that found someone that fascinated her and interested her in in an intellectual way, in an emotional way, and that she also learned that she could trust. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And I like that I felt anyway that the things that Francis did that are kind of quote unquote betrayals is and Catalina I mean I guess anybody for that point is because they really didn't have a choice they were completely fighting to have their own anonymity against this thing that completely um, invades their bodies and I think it shows a strength to Francis's character that he did not fold as easily as others in the family did you know he had his art and he wanted to help her and he wanted to help Catalina. And I thought that was really sweet. I also liked how, um, you know, kind of when push came to, sh- to shove, he tried to be very brave and to fight like Noemi did. And Catalina as well. Like she's the one that stabs Howard and stuff. And it- it's very important. Like Francis kills his mother. And I mean, everybody kind of gets a piece of Virgil but <laughs> um you know what I mean like I think it's really cool nobody in this story was hugging the walls and shrieking of our three leads like they were fighting and uh and they were fighting to keep themselves and fighting for their freedom and I don't know I just liked it. I found them to be um three very formidable characters yeah I would have liked a little bit more of Catalina from her own eyes myself. Uh, We learn a lot about how awesome she is, you know, up until the very end through Noemi. Right. But we don't, we didn't really get to see that. And part of that lends itself to the uncomfortableness of this book. You know, you don't know how much you trust Noemi at first and her own views on things, because it takes a while for you, for me anyway, as the reader to trust Noemi and trust that, that, she actually, she is very cognizant of who she is. She's very cognizant of what she sees around her. Um, but there's so little of Catalina, and I I would have just liked some more. Um, one of the really interesting, horrific themes of this book is kind of touched on it before, but is uh, speaking of women's places, is basically Catalina and then Noemi are expected to just be these brood mares just to like breed 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 and you know oh we'll keep some children to you know keep things going and then we'll also have some children that we you know eat i mean i i love a cannibal moment it's always real effective (laughs) but it's like in a in a similar way perhaps a more insidious way that is kind of the way women have been forced into so many situations is they're very much there just to keep the line going mm-hmm. and um it just was kind of a nice parallel of you know this is what you're expected to do and this is your place and if you can't you're worthless to me right that was 
that was a really disgusting part of the yeah. way that his he treated his previous wives and the wives and the children that the children are literally to either keep the line going or to be food and there's not like it's or to be him <laughs> well yeah to keep the line going or you know but it's like because they're not they don't have a value people don't have a value like as you know as their spirit as an individual as who they are they have a value like a commodity um and it just makes the whole book a, a whole next level creepy so i guess it goes without saying that for me i i've talked on and on about how much i love this book and i found it very significant beautiful creepy um surprising and at times very funny because i really appreciated some of the things noemi said to these people um and I love how she stood up so much for herself and tried to advocate for Catalina and tried to get to the bottom of this crazy thing and how she wouldn't leave Catalina behind and she wouldn't leave Francis behind. I, I just really loved that about her. So I give this book five gold glowing mushrooms out of five. I think Noemi is the absolute star of this book and keeps it moving along uh at a rate that I, I it really kept me involved. Um, there's moments in this book that I felt dragged for me that may just be a product of it being a gothic fiction. Uh, but I, there was points I wanted it to move along a little bit faster. But ultimately, I really loved this book. I'm giving it four golden glowing mushroom caps out of five. Well, there you have it, guys. I think that um, I, I hope you all enjoyed the book as well. If you're here in the spoiler section and we'd love to hear from you on social media or on our website, go ahead and drop by on Instagram and let us know what you thought of this book. Remember to keep women and horror alive in your heart and as much as possible to try to diversify the women you read and diversify the authors that you read. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Please keep reading past your bedtime. 